Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. There is a phrase we have heard a lot lately. I have used the phrase. Perhaps you have used this phrase. And you'll immediately recognize it. Going back to normal. In some cases we have celebrated going back to normal. Still with wise precautions. But we've used that expression so much. Going back to normal. And I was thinking about that a few weeks ago, and I've concluded that there's a part of that. There is a possible interpretation of that that I just don't like. In fact, there are two parts of it, depending upon how it would be interpreted, that I don't like. Going back and normal. Now, maybe I'm being too picky. I do understand the context of our recent use of that phrase. But I hope we don't get stuck on the idea of going back. Rather, I hope we embrace going forward. And I hope our previous condition of normal is not something that inhibits growth, personal spiritual progress, and growth as members of this local church. So here is a phrase about which there is no hesitance, no debate among Christians. And the phrase is, press on. Now, let's look at the context. We always need to do that. Earlier in Philippians chapter 3, let me give you a summary of what leads up to this. Paul wrote about his experience giving up the old ways of Judaism, being a Pharisee, to receive what God offers in Jesus Christ. It was through the activity of his faith in Christ, Paul gave up his past 
and became a follower of Jesus Christ. He says here, driven by his heart's desire to attain to the resurrection from the dead. His life before becoming a Christian was the normal religion of many Jews. But as expressed here in Philippians chapter 3, Paul had no desire to go back to his previous normal religion. Perhaps when Paul was baptized, he said to himself, now what? And we might look into the mind of Paul. What now? You've left the old life of sin, the slavery of human legalistic religion in the, in the camp of Judaism championed by the Pharisees. You've walked away from that. The vanity of having the reputation of a militant persecutor, you gave that up. So you're now a Christian. What do you do? Just relax? You are saved. Will you always be saved? Is salvation a recliner chair? Whatever temporary gain Paul had, he gave up when he left the normal practice of Judaism to know the surpassing worth of being a disciple of Christ. And so what now? I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I looked at some different translations, and here's one amplified translation of this passage. I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us forward to Jesus in heaven. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. Whatever normal was before, we need to have this mindset to press on and not go back. Paul's personal perspective and his teaching is very clear here, and it's in harmony with everything the New Testament says about Christians and growth and moving forward. Once you become a Christian... You haven't reached the finish line. Not only are you not finished, now with fresh purpose you press on. Whatever kind of difficulties you might be tempted to dwell on or go back to, you press on. And tonight, I want to bring this up in terms of four implications of what it means to press on. Number one, it certainly involves energy. Not necessarily physical energy as would be applied to manual labor, but mental and spiritual and heart energy and passion. Think of a race running at full energy. Being a Christian requires moral and spiritual energy energy. It is freely supplied by Christ, but we have to receive it and use it. The New Testament says that being a Christian is work. 
work for the night is coming. The New Testament describes discipleship, being a Christian, as work. And work takes time and focus and you're busy in the things of the Lord in your life and in serving the Lord and serving others. Now think about where Paul had been when he was back. Daily life as a Pharisee required energy, but it was wasted energy. It was strenuous exertion against the gospel. It was about self-focus and appearance and being holier than others and writing out law that you imposed on others in addition to what God gave that was sufficient. So now as a Christian, Paul accepted the task of exertion in the right direction, advancing God's plan. And it's work. He called it in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, abounding in the work of the Lord. And here it is pressing on, applying full energy to obtain, to pursue discipline and focus toward the upward call, moving forward, not back. So reading this in this context, I ought to ask myself, am I really energized inside about being a Christian and talking to other people about the need to be a Christian? Am I really active and energized? Or is it just something I read about and listen to in a place I attend in my name in a contact list? Spiritual energy isn't a fanatic reaching for fads and trends and attention and ambition. It is the use of biblical knowledge in the conduct of your life from the inside out every day. Spiritual energy, steady growth that is encouraging and can be contagious. It is evangelistic. It is directed by Scripture, never occasional, always determined and disciplined not to go back, but to strain forward. So am I pressing on? Are you pressing on? It's what Christians do. Energy. To express it crudely, spiritual sweat. Do you ever break a sweat? In the kingdom. It is our use of God's word and the example of Christ to grow and obey and overcome and share the gospel and to help each other. Pressing on involves energy. It's very similar to what Nehemiah said let us rise up and build. Pressing on, I alluded to this earlier, I'm going to work on that a little more, involves right direction. Sometimes a lot of energy is expended, but it's in the wrong direction. It's energy, but it's in the wrong direction. I refer you back now to Paul's previous normal as a Pharisee. I tell you, the Pharisees were busy. I can't imagine all the work the Pharisees did 
in keeping all of their rules. Measuring 10% of everything in the spice cabinet almost every day, making certain everyone was notified of their huge benevolent gifts. You remember that in Matthew 6. They would sound a trumpet before they would carry their benevolent gifts to the temple. Pushing your peers out of the way to get the best seats at the banquet place. Devouring the houses of widows. And don't forget swallowing camels. The Pharisees broke a sweat, but it was energy applied in the wrong direction. Pressing on in Philippians 3 is energy in the right direction, moving forward. It's the upward call of God. We use scripture to guide us in the right way so that our steps are the steps God has directed in his word. There are people pressing on, applying energy away from scripture. They're busy. They exhibit emotion. There is a passion about them. There's an excitement. They have projects and ministries and travel and time and schedules but without observing the authority of Scripture, and therefore without the power and plan of God. Pressing on must be in the right direction. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So here are people who are active, yes, but they're moving in the wrong direction. They're moving with passion in the wrong direction. Scripture, when it's learned and lived, always will send you in the right direction. I remember Isaiah who said, here am I, send me. Pressing on, energy, right direction, consistency. If we think we can press on one day and then back off for a week and then relax for a few months and then come back for a few more days and press on again, we have it wrong. The idea of pressing on demands daily consistency. That's our challenge. New Testament Christianity is daily. I'll go further. It's hourly. It is moment by moment with God. Commitment. Consistency. The Lord is interested in not just our baptism, not just our presence on Sunday, not just our occasional surges of zeal, not just our knowledge, not just our contributions. He wants our hearts from baptism until death authentically devoted to him with an overflow of all the good works and opportunities around us, consistently pressing on. So this is what you do after you begin your life as a Christian. There is no thought that you were done or that you have obtained everything you press on. Think of it like this. 
When you were baptized, you start a way of life. Why start it if you're not going to finish it? Press on. Finish strong. Specifically, when you read the Bible and make adjustments in your attitude every day, when you worship God with the saints and personally, when you pray, when you speak to people about the Lord, when you resist temptations that come into your mind, when you study the Bible in a class, when you come to an assembly to worship, when you treat people right, when you're patient with yourself and with God and with others, you're pressing on. You're not going back. You found the pathway forward that God directs us to. And here in the letter that Paul sent to Christians in Philippi, there are examples of disciples of Christ who pressed on. Paul pressed on, even with the Roman guard in the dungeon with him around the clock. Timothy pressed on, even when it meant traveling to dangerous places and sacrifice Epaphroditus pressed on even during a serious illness and he had no CDC guidelines. Paul wants the Christians in Philippi to press on, to persevere, and God wants each of us to do the same thing. Paul is the sort of leader who wants to encourage Christians toward depth and maturity. And it's all summarized in two simple words. Press on. I hope that's what we're doing. Now stay with me. Stay with me here. And don't let the next point turn your head in any kind of direction until I describe what I mean by this next point. Righteous amnesia. The Bible says there are some things we must remember. I mean, in these instances, I'm going to talk about here for a couple of minutes. Memory contributes to spiritual strength and pressing on. We must remember the Lord, who he is, his death and where he is. We do that when we partake of the Lord's Supper. That's righteous memory if we do it as we should. We remember him who gave his life for us and that use of memory contributes to our spiritual strength. Another example is what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3. Remember the commandments of the Lord and Savior given through the apostles. We do that every time we come to this building. You do that every time you read the Bible. Remember the commandments of the Lord and Savior given through the apostles. So let's understand where Scripture gives us this emphasis. The use of memory contributes to spiritual strength and therefore joyful living. But then there is this imperative. Did you hear this a moment ago in the reading? Forgetting, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
Let's talk about that. Every one of us have been through some very difficult days. I'm not just talking about the last two years. Perhaps there was sin that you committed. But then recognizing that sin, you repented and you met the conditions of forgiveness and you believe what the Bible says about God granting forgiveness to the penitent. But you still hang on to it. You still got it up here and you go back and revisit it. If God forgot it, you repented, you ought to forget it. That's righteous amnesia. Maybe there was some crisis of conflict with someone, but it came to an appropriate resolution. You did what the Bible says about conflict resolution, and it came to that point of resolution. But you still got it up here. You still hang on to it. Maybe someone offended you and you did everything you could before God to resolve it. But it didn't resolve. But you're hanging on to it. Maybe there was hurt. And you've prayed to God about it over and over again. And, and you're doing everything you can to get on that pathway forward. But it's here. Maybe an illness, a loss of a loved one. Every one of us had been through some very difficult days. My question is, do we really need to go back and review that all the time? And is that going to help us be the kind of people we ought to be now? Should we allow that history to discourage and demoralize us today when everything has been done to manage that according to the will of God? But we hang on to it. We need some righteous amnesia. Has this ever happened to you? You ask someone about a local church. Maybe you're going on a trip, vacation. You're going to be out of town and you want to know about a local church so that you can meet with them on the Lord's Day. And so you ask around about this and you find somebody who knows about that local church out there wherever you're going. And they said, yes, I'm familiar with that church. And they give you the location. Maybe they give you the website, the time of service, the preacher's name. And that's all you needed. But it's not all you get. You get an earful of history accompanied by resentment and gossip and speculation and hearsay. Maybe the person documents every little part of a crisis that started in 1958. Maybe they can even remember the color of the tie of the opposing elder when he was announcing something that was detrimental to the church. All you wanted to know was where's the building and what time do they meet? 
But you get all of this other stuff that somebody has deposited in their archives and you've given them an opportunity to pull it up from their archives. When we unload on someone all the bad history we remember so well, what is the purpose? I think sometimes we're giving them a transfusion of bad blood. I commend to you righteous amnesia. Remember the Lord when you take the Lord's Supper. Remember the commandments. Study the Bible. Remember what needs to be remembered that contributes to your spiritual welfare. Otherwise, put it in this category. File it away as righteous amnesia. This passage describes the forward-looking energetic, encouraging, pressing on that every Christian should recognize and participate in. You may remember the first sermon I delivered when we came back October of last year. Well, maybe you don't. The pathway forward. The pathway forward. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul says in the next verse? He says, this is what mature people do. This is how mature people think. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. One more thing. We must never rest on past accomplishments. Have you ever been around someone and this conversation goes something like this? Let me tell you what I did back in my day. I built this church building. I sacrificed to advance the gospel. I was one of the few good ones. I stood for the truth against error. I defeated error. I served people. Now, did you hear that conversation and notice something? It's in the past tense. We must never rest on past accomplishments. Press on toward maturity. Think this way. This is the way mature people think. Keeping your eye on the prize. Where does it all start? This way of life. Pressing on, joyfully living in Christ with obedience to the gospel, and then forward. David Livingstone said, I am prepared to go anywhere, provided it's forward. Paul said it better. He said, press on. I want us to think about that tonight, tomorrow, this week and the rest of our lives. Let's be standing while we sing.